What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is November 11th, 2022, Veterans Day. Today on The Roundup, we will be talking about Mick Gordon, the composer for Doom and Doom Eternal, sharing his thoughts on the Doom Eternal original soundtrack, as well as all of the fallout that came from that. We'll be hearing his side of the story. Of course, we'll also be talking about the possibility of a Legend of Zelda Lego set on the way. That's going to be a very interesting one to also go through. And, of course, we'll also be talking about Netflix announcing they're making a Gears of War TV series and the possibility of someone playing Marcus Phoenix has already been decided. But we'll talk about that, too, and more after our intro here on the Weekly News Roundup. And, of course, with it being the news roundup, you all know me. I all know you. I what the hell? I think I just had a stroke, Kyle. Um, anyway, uh, welcome, everybody, Whoa. to the NPC's <laughs> roundup, of course. It is uh, time, of course, for us to talk about this. I'm Travis, of course, and next to me via Discord, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. What's up? You know, we only do this because, like, this setup is better for us, mostly because it's easier to handle, like, cameras and everything compared to, like, you know, actually, like, being here in person together to do stuff like this. It's... I would like to be together to do this stuff instead, but I got to tell you, right. it's a pain to try to do with camera setups and such. I guess we're just not, we're not professionals. We just, we wing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Without, <laughs> without a production team, this is easier. Yeah. I wonder if I can maybe like pay the kids or something to act as the production team or something, you know, right. teach them how to act as like master. Control. I got thumbs up from one of them over there. So, hey, cool. Uh, but anyway. Um, we are, of course, live. We are here to talk about the news. Uh, before we get into any of the main stories that we have here, and of course, we got the quest markers at the end, um, make mention of it because we don't have it as either of those parts, but it was announced today that um, a childhood voice actor and hero of ours, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from Batman the Animated Series, as well as Justice League uh, and video games such as the Batman Arkham series, Injustice and several other titles out there unfortunately passed away today at the age of 66, just weeks away from turning 67, and uh, passed away due to cancer. Um, I guess this has been a long time coming, unfortunately, with his uh, with his illness progressing as far as it did, and unfortunately he uh, succumbed to it. So, of course, um, from us here at the NPCs, though, of course, uh, well wishes, of course, out to his family, his friends, and of course all of the people who just like us, have appreciated his work for many, many years. Uh, I mean, at least for us, Kyle, probably you and I, at least 30-some-odd years, going back to, like, the original Batman animated series there in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, yeah, at least want to make sure we make a mention about that one. So, yeah, rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. And we will go back and watch some Batman animated series, of course, and just binge that for a while in your honor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, of course, we move on to the news we have on the schedule for tonight, and that is starting off with Mick Gordon. So Mick Gordon reveals details about the Doom Eternal original soundtrack, more specifically detailing his side of the story when it comes down to what actually happened with the production of audio on Doom Eternal. So uh, several days ago, he published an article on his Medium uh, blog, talking about exactly what happened. So where things start out with this, uh, I guess, Kyle, did you get the chance to finally read through all of this uh, when I sent it to you? Not all of it. I did skim and then kind of got a hold, hold of a TLDR. So 
I know kind of kind of what's going on, and yeah, the the extent, well, kind of the extent of the the fiasco. So all right, so let's so to start off, where a lot of this came from, at least, is a follow up to a post that was made on Reddit. I believe it was last year when this started. Um, is that uh, the producer of Doom Eternal? Um, who? Let me see if I can get his name here from the article. I actually have it up. I was scrolled farther down. Um, uh, let's see. Where am I seeing this? Um, it's Marty Stratton. Thank you. Uh, Marty Stratton uh, posted an open letter on Reddit on May fifth of twenty twenty, talking about what happened with the uh, the Doom Eternal OST, which was a pre order bonus for people who ordered the Doom Eternal Collector's Edition. Uh, when it, of course, then it, uh, back in 2019, it released in March of 2020. Uh, so this was his follow-up to it and the things that he tried to work on to actually get all of this fixed. Uh, but let's go ahead and hop into the TLDR of where things actually stand. First and foremost is that uh, half of the music that was used in Doom Eternal um, is actually music that was not meant for the game itself. This was music that was actually developed as examples or tests or demos to be able to use given some issues with direction in the game. And it turns out that those were originally supposed to be just cast aside as just examples, but they, it turns out that that stuff ended up making it into the game. So uh, half of that music itself that's used in Doom Eternal, um, Mick Gordon never got paid for. Um, the original soundtrack, though, the OST... Uh, which was released again as part of the collector's edition. Uh, it has Mick Gordon's name attached to it. However, a large chunk of the music that actually went into the OST was not even generated by him directly. The way it actually comes out is that it contains um, it contains different demos and different tracks and different bits that are actually spliced together in ways that if you were to throw this into a waveform, you would actually see where the problems arise at, like different clicks, different pops, poor attempts at fading, if any fading whatsoever. It's actually pretty nasty. Um, and because, of course, it was um, attached to Mick Gordon's name and he had only so much involvement with it, um, it was it ended up even being more of an issue, I guess, that we found out even prior to. Apparently, they announced the OST was going to be included with the collector's edition, but Mick Gordon had not uh, not been contracted to make an OST. Um, he continued to reach out to Marty to get any sort of resolution put into place, and uh, it took forever for uh, any sort of resolution to even get things started on it, because um, Mick Gordon did actually reach out and say, I do want to work on this. Um, he actually ended up having go going or ended up having to go directly to Bethesda to get any sort of resolution on it in the first place. Um, so Bethesda uh, set up the contract, got everything working, and um, he got the contract apparently only two days before Doom Eternal was released, which was March twentieth, twenty twenty. So he got the actual contract just two days prior to, which was you know two days prior to everybody receiving their collector's edition. Uh, the deadline oh, wow. to actually have it done was April 16th, and that um, that uh, Mick Gordon on the April 16th was to hand over every piece of uh, audio that he had that related to it. So literally raw files, uh, mixes, down mixes, like literally every bit and piece that he had, he was to hand over, which he did. 
Um, and then there were a lot of details that were actually held back from him up until about 13 days before the deadline, which included uh, potential legal trouble that related to pre-order uh, or to things that were included with the pre-order bonus of the OST, and that the legal part is more like the consumer protection laws that exist out there in the world, uh, especially in Europe. And then also about uh, their internally produced original soundtrack, which apparently had been getting worked on for six months prior to Mick Gordon even being pulled into the first place, which means that they attempted to make their own OST by splicing together poorly all of the different music that he had contributed and finally coming back to him, you know, and it's like, well, but here's what we got. And it ended up being a cluster. Uh, he didn't approve any of the release. Uh, they decided to go with their alternate version, which ended up being the junk version. Um, they, uh, I guess uh, Mick tried to work with Marty to actually get some sort of resolution in place, um, tried to make it so that way um, customers could actually get a better OST, but uh, apparently it ended up changing around instead from being this sort of collaborative thing where they were going to try to fix it with Marty really wanting to go about it in a professional manner to Marty posting that letter, that open letter on Reddit, basically calling out Mick and saying Mick was the problem. Yeah, and essentially dragging his name through the mud. To the point, basically, yeah, that fans actually reached out or started leaving emails and voicemails and sending hate mail to Mick Gordon to basically do things that I'm not even going to to list out. Uh, but it's bad stuff that effectively, like, Mick doesn't want any involvement with... He doesn't want to work with Bethesda or ID or anything. He's He's done completely working but essentially it did also cause him other problems in the industry too with uh marty uh posting on reddit and then other industry heads uh i guess potentially seeing the post and then maybe discerning information that that wasn't necessarily true uh from that and it i guess he's also found it uh, more difficult to to get any gigs uh, because of that. So yeah, and I'm hoping that this ends up being some of that resolution that he has been seeking because compared to what Marty had done in the Reddit post, which was quite honestly just a lot of words, uh, Mick here in the blog that he has on Medium, uh, he actually went and provided receipts for everything. He has things that have dates on him. He has things like like contracts, for example. He's got timestamps in the metadata for when they were trying to cobble together an OST. He has emails with dates on them. He has, I mean, it's... He could not have come forward, like, more well-prepared than anybody else could have with something like this, especially when your well, name is being, like, dragged through the mud. It's... This was good for him and to from what I understand... Yeah, and from what I understand, Marty had uh, come to him with a, a six-figure offer that almost was, like, more of hush money. Um, yeah. I Yeah, so it, it kind of gets it gets fishy. And that that's, uh, I, I guess, ultimately what led up to the creation of, the, of this post, that, that the truth became more more important than any, any sort of money or anything, you know. Um, people kind of had to know what was going on, you know, with the whole fiasco um, internally, especially, you know, the people that, you know, did hear the soundtrack. And, you know, maybe there were some audio files out there that do like his work that were 
quite displeased, you know. Yeah, and there were people who were even able to, uh, like, even before, like, Mick had gone through and made any sort of analysis himself of the audio, there were fans that were already pulling down the audio, you know, the original or the mm-hmm. Doom Eternal OST and already finding these problems. And they were comparing it to the OST that came out for the original Doom game in 2016. And by making those comparisons, they were able to tell, obviously, something was not right. They were able to tell that the music that was delivered for Doom was not the same that was delivered for Doom Eternal in OST form. And I think that's really what made at least those fans that are dedicated to the audio engineering side of things realize, obviously, there's something amiss. So I think that helped at that point in time, but it wasn't enough to help at least Mick in any way, shape, or form, and that's why he got dragged as bad as he did, is that you had louder voices elsewhere. But needless to say, yeah, the hush money, the the six-figure hush money, he didn't actually say a a number, just six figures, but apparently Mm -hmm. that hush money was basically to make it so that way Mick wasn't allowed to comment on it anymore. He wasn't allowed to say anything else disparaging. Um, he wasn't, it, it, and it didn't involve anything with Marty making any concessions either. Literally, it was basically uh, Bethesda and ID protecting Marty instead of trying to yeah. address the problems that Marty had, uh, like that Marty had caused, and make things right for Mick. So that's where this is all at right now. Literally two years of fighting for this, if not three, if you take the amount of time leading up to him actually working on music, it's just, it's rough. And I mean, it was a long read, but it's definitely a, a worthwhile one to go read uh, to like to see exactly how damning everything was. Yeah, definitely. And you, um, like I said, I, I I got to read part of it, um, and then I I did kind of go through the the TLDR. Uh, beforehand and just the the amount of stuff it, it it's crazy it's it's definitely worth going more in in depth into um be, because of the fact that i mean you you got to figure that this guy not only lost the time that he could have worked on other projects but any time after that after you know marty came out and said that you know mick was hard to work with essentially and you know coming coming and telling out that to the the community that he's done work for for years it it all of a sudden becomes more difficult so yeah and it's yeah the fact that it's actually like caused him even more problem like more problems not only personally but also professionally right. is what basically makes me feel just like makes me feel like uh Bethesda and ID need to do something and they need mm-hmm. to do they need to do right by Mick for all of this, given that Mick has now come forward with all these things, is that it paints Bethesda in a bad spot too, because they're not doing they have not done their job to actually fix mm-hmm. this. I mean, there there's parts in this that actually go on to show that Bethesda was more than willing to work on some of these things, but then immediately flipped like one eighty and started making like threats and and basically a lot of passive aggressive comments when it came to um like I think it was like to like replies on different problems and issues and things like, Oh yeah, we're still reviewing this thing. Oh yeah. We're making good progress. You know, basically leading them on to thinking there was going to be something. Yeah. A lot of backpedaling. It was, 
Yeah, and we have not yet seen it. The blog post has been out for a couple days now. We have yet to see any sort of message, at least as far as I'm aware of, anything from Bethesda or Microsoft or uh, ID yet in regards to this information. Yeah, no response, no remark, no no acknowledgement of of the the blog post on Medium. Um, so I don't know if they're if they're trying to gear up and maybe you know. Sh- find a team to to find a way to settle this or you know maybe they're they're they've already gone into the works uh behind the scenes but i i I think because of the um i don't know the publicity behind the whole thing now the way it's grown uh the public kind of deserves to know a little bit what's going on and maybe you know that that's more mick that that doesn't want the public to know, or he's trying to keep it hush hush until it's all settled. And, and that's fine. But I, I think it'd be cool to get, get some closure on it. Cause I, I truly feel for the guy. And I, I know that there are other people that do, and they're, they're like you said, people that could tell uh, beyond audio files that it wasn't his work. And, you know, for them to try and put his name on it and, you know, then go back and say he's hard to work with and he did a terrible job and um when it wasn't even his source material or the the source material was his but it was bad production that ultimately led to the the poor OD, uh, OST so yeah and i think really what bothers me is that the fact that we've now had this statement out for 2 days and haven't heard anything yet like i'm hoping that they speak up soon because mm-hmm. like uh, i'm seeing a lot more going on at least kind of on the back end side of things when it comes to the fan discussions and such right now that there's got to be more done like that this can't stand and that like id and bethesda are kind of pointing them like or uh pushing themselves into a very awkward corner by not having put anything out yet so I think what we need to do is just stay vigilant and just keep watching for them to actually put out a statement and I'm hoping we can report on something this next week yeah, but agreed. Yeah, but as it stands right now, the medium post is still up. There's it still exists there. There's been no issue like uh, or request for it to come down or anything, at least as, as far as I've seen. So it's still up and it's available to read. According to medium, it is a 58 minute read. So if you need something there to actually read through, go ahead and do that. Otherwise, scroll to the bottom of the blog and he's got a TLDR that explains some more. Uh, and there are pictures of all the different things, like I said, different basically evidence that he has out there to say uh, to say where uh, Bethesda and ID basically screwed him over and are trying to cut. Co- we're trying to cover their tracks for Marty Stratton. So I would say take some time to go read that, read through and, you know, come to your own conclusion. But I'll be honest, I think you're going to come to the same conclusion that we have as well, that this is pretty, pretty damning of of ID. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, of course, let's move on to our next uh, story here in the list. And this is, of course, our time now to contribute to the chaos that's going on in the Twitterverse. Because everybody knows Twitter is now a sinking ship. It was a very valuable company. But now, of course, its value has diminished, uh, like, uh, I wouldn't even say quite a bit. Uh, dramatically is probably the better choice of words, right, Kyle? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so basically, Twitter 
is now under control of SpaceX CEO and Twi- uh, and Tesla CEO Elon Musk. And since he came in and decided to try to make his money back as best as he could with everything he could possibly throw at it, um, he is now allowing for people, or at least it's been shut off as of today, um, he had been allowing for paid verification, meaning that if you wanted a nice shiny blue check mark next to your name, you could pay for it. $8 a month to be able to get that verification. And needless to say, it has caused all of the issues that we all saw coming when this was going to be available. So as being reported on by Video Games Chronicle, here are some of the things they went ahead and detailed out about these uh, different things. Um, One of the first things, of course, is a uh, Twitter handle uh, claiming to be Nintendo of America that has a picture of Mario giving everybody the bird. Um, We have um, a fake Valve account saying we are we're excited to unveil ricochet neon prime our next competitive platform this thursday at 10 a.m pacific time can't wait to see you all on the grid and of course it's not valve uh the valve name there itself is valve uh what is it it's like valve soft like uh it's not even spelled software it's like valve software they just flip the f and the t around but for anybody who looks at that really fast they're gonna see that you know that's uh that's you know, they're going to think, okay, yeah, that's legitimate. Um, there's Twitch as well that also got uh, that got uh, spoofed as well, which says right here, we've heard you after a lot of feedback from ambassadors and partners. The sub-split will be changing from December, uh, where it's like, and then it lists out like the different splits in that for like the different tiers of, of um, people who actually make money on Twitch. Uh, we had uh, Twitter as well, too, that also got scammed in it, but... Needless to say, we all saw this coming. I mean, there was no there was no hiding it that we knew that there was going to be things like this happening. And it happened not even in the, just the video gaming space. Like a company who makes insulin uh, and charges an exorbitant amount of money for it, which honestly, you should not be charging for insulin. Insulin should be free. Um, right. Someone made a fake Twitter handle for them. And got the verified check mark and said that effective immediately, all insulin produced by us is going to be free, which actually sent their stock dropping. It actually sent their stock dropping. I think they, uh, I think they dropped uh, between eight and ten percentage points with oh, how wow. bad that was. Yeah, they they took a pretty big hit for that, and it wasn't even a thing. So. You can see why, A, Twitter has lost all of its advertising, or at least the majority of it, basically their entire moneymaker, and why people are jumping ship and uh, moving over to things like um, uh, Mastodon, for example, which, by the way, you can find me over on um, Mastodon as well. Maybe I'll share out what that is, but I'm at least over there now. Uh, But needless (laughs) to say, um, we, uh, we don't really use our social media as well as we probably could. You know, I could go pay the eight dollars a month for the the blue check mark there if I wanted to, but that doesn't do anything for us though because we're we're not as popular as some other places like IGN or GameSpot or whatever. But you, Kyle, I'm not making anything crazy here, right? I'm not sounding crazy. A lot of this is stupid, right? Makes no sense for this to exist. Yeah, no, it like just. For for something this easy, you know, to be to be spoofed, and then the 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 whole ironic part is, uh, Elon's big plan to to fix it all was a white check mark. 
that he uh, suddenly just took away because he realized that was a bad idea too. Um, because it's just another check mark. Um, obviously, there there has to be some sort of oversight that you know is gonna make it so these people can't spoof the accounts. Uh, you're gonna have to have some sort of uh, group of people that that's literally, or you know, some AI that's auditing uh, people you know ids or accounts to make sure that they're not trying to parody other other accounts i i mean but but how are they going to build that out if they fired 50 percent of their staff and now we're having to call them back in to say hey we made a mistake in firing you come on back yeah no it's not going to work and i i I feel like uh the the whole thing may cause a, a big crash on the platform um but I don't know. Maybe it, it's too early to say, but I I know it, it could cause a lot of these uh, big companies to enough of a stir for them to maybe say that they're gonna uh, fly away from Twitter. Oh yeah, like a lot of them already paused advertising like the day that Elon took over, and yeah, a lot of these companies that are being impersonated on here, even if the accounts are being taken down, and now the 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 ability to subscribe and get those new blue check marks has um has been put on hold like they actually like shut that part down for the short term um mm-hmm. i mean twitter's going to be busy with lawsuits from these companies gaming companies are going to be one of them but all these other companies that are being impersonated as well too they're going to be hit with lawsuits pretty hard <coughs> oh yeah definitely i mean the 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 whole mario meme alone you know, for for them to let that that get away, there's there's definitely going to be Nintendo ninjas uh, down Twitter's throat. Oh, hands down, there are going to be. I think yeah. the bigger part of it is that like Nintendo's lawyers, uh, they are relentless. They will not stop until things are taken care of. And I, I already know for a fact, and we do, especially reporting on a bunch of the the hacks and the ROMs. And uh, things getting leaked out and that, that Nintendo will get the job done and get the job done fast. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you talk about that and then you talk about the deluge of other lawyers and even including the FTC getting involved here very soon because of some stuff that happened with Twitter many years ago that is still uh, something that's being tracked and addressed today. Yeah. Uh, Twitter's probably going to be going away. So maybe I'll just have to create an official NPC's uh uh, handle on uh, Mastodon here sometime soon, but we'll we'll consider that, of course, as time goes on anyway, too. But in the meantime, <laughs> one of the best things that I can recommend for people who still use Twitter to this day are a couple different things. One, do not pay for the verification checkmark. When that service becomes available again, don't do it. You're not doing anything better for yourself. If you're doing it for the lulls, good for you, but if you're a sane person, don't even bother spending your money on it. Number two, Anytime you see any uh, posting with a blue check mark on it, of course, next to the Twitter handle, provide some additional scrutiny to it. Like, really look at the posting history for that account. Look at the um, look at the creation date of the account, which is right there when you go to the profile. It'll say joined this date. Take a look closer at that. Also, of course, be sure to take a closer look at the different things that are being shared out by the account. Not necessarily just pictures, but links is another big one, too. Uh, One of the things I had mentioned is that Twitter actually itself got um, 
uh, got hit by that fake account thing too, where, and it's even farther along down here in the article that we're referencing from Video Games Chronicle. So Twitter created an account, or, or someone created a Twitter account that got uh, a bunch of followers on it, uh, around 26,000 followers. Um, but they put up a tweet on there that says, whoa, Twitter Blue is now available for free. Crypto NFT holders can now get their Twitter Blue for free by authenticating their wallet assets. And you have to go to this website, twitterblue.com, um, and um, you go there, and I'm sure that you probably link your crypto wallet to it. And then guess what? All of your crypto is probably gone if you're into that stuff. So you think that tweet alone got 35,000-plus retweets. Oh, man. So imagine 35,000. Imagine if it was just 8 bucks that was taken out of each of those uh, each of those things. So what is that? Eight times. Let's, I'm going to do the quick math. To the calculator, I go. So what is that? 8 times 35,000. That's $280,000, potentially. Oh, man. Yeah. You know. Not to mention if they accessed any of those uh, crypto accounts and any NFTs that they they personally had. Uh, Obviously, you wouldn't want to hold on to NFTs because those are more traceable. I would would think you could see who the original license owner was. But the the crypto, that's completely untraceable. So any, any amount that they had taken out of any wallets, that is, you know totally theirs and they could have spent it or you know traded it or done whatever before there was the massive crash today so well i will say that you can trace crypto you can it's not necessarily that it's untraceable but compared to things like you know regular federally insured currency like you know the good old u.s dollar that's you know that's far more difficult yeah it's agreed that's that's gonna be the part of it but yeah needless to say be more cautious if you are a Twitter user and you're going to stay on Twitter until the eventual end. Be more cautious with the things you are seeing. Scrutinize those accounts. Scrutinize the posts they put up. Scrutinize the amount of time that account has existed. And above all else, do not click any links that may lead you to potentially sharing your information out for, quite honestly, no reason whatsoever. Like, don't even bother clicking any links anymore. You know what? Just sign off on the internet. That's fine. Just just no more internet for you. You're done. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, and speaking of being done, we're done with this story here. So let's move on to the next one here. And yeah. Kyle. Because the, the web is dark and full of terrors. <laughs> the, the, the web is dark and full of terrors. Trust me. We were there in the early days. Now, yeah, let's talk about this one because, Kyle, you like Lego. I like Lego. Oh, yeah. That kid sitting over here at his desk who who is waving at me, and I know nobody can see him, but that's perfectly fine. We, we want that. Stop, please. Stop. Please. I need a Nerf gun to shoot him with sometimes. We all like Lego. <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like it's very possible. Now, this is just a rumor that we could see a Legend of Zelda Lego potentially happening very soon. And here is why. So according to BrickFanatics.com, who track all different things Lego, whether it is brand new Lego sets, whether it's stuff in Lego ideas, um, sales, reviews of different Lego sets, basically everything they can do Lego. Uh, they went ahead and posted a story here talking about um, – that Lego is actually banning Legend of Zelda product submissions on the Lego Ideas platform. So if you're not familiar, Lego Ideas is the platform that deals with um, uh, fan submissions of ideas for new sets. That's where we've gotten things such as uh, such as the the plant set, like that Kyle has right there behind his head. Yeah. Uh, the um, uh, 
what is it? Uh, the I think the Vespa scooter was one of them. I think uh, some of the space stuff was too. The, the Fender guitar. The Fender the, guitar. Yeah. Um, the I think maybe some of that Lego architecture stuff was also inspired. You know, and some of even the uh, Polaroid as well as the bugs that are coming up next yeah. year. Exactly. Uh, oh, the Friends Office and uh, Queer Eye sets are Seinfeld. also Lego, and I Seinfeld. Yeah, are all Lego ideas. So. All of that has come from the Lego Ideas platform, where fans submit, vote on it, and then the Lego design team reviews and decides to take next steps to figure out if this is going to be a new set. Well, it turns out um, that eight fan designs based on the Legend of Zelda franchise reached the uh, vote threshold for the Lego Ideas team to actually evaluate whether or not they could become sets. However, every single one of them at the review stage got shut down and rejected with a particular comment uh, that went and said, uh, we've already evaluated this IP and have determined that we can't allow submissions based on it with a simple comment of license conflict. Now, according to what Brick Fanatics has found, is that the license conflict comes up based on... They found a kind of mixed bag of this, Kyle. First thing that they have found is that it could be either that... A, they are in the process of making a set, and so the license conflict is more of a potential problem with what they're already working on versus what this submission was, um, or that they're working on something within the scope. Uh, the other part of it is that, and this is where it kind of drifts away from LEGO, is that it could be that the set is already in the works with another brick company, which would be like, you know, Mega Blocks, for example. Uh, Mega Blocks is the company that handles uh, the Pokemon sets. They're the ones who handle uh, the uh, Master Chief uh, uh, Halo sets. Um, right. I think they've had some other video game and, ones, so it could and be. Something there like have that. been a there there have been a, a couple of other creative brick uh, sets that have come out. I think that are available like through Amazon and stuff that aren't nearly as possible, of course, as like Mega Mega Blocks or uh, Lego. But yeah. Uh, that yeah, I, I was seeing that 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 may be the the problem is that they thought that you know be, potentially because other submissions, for instance, uh, like Pokemon, uh, do have other uh, block sets, like you were saying, uh, with the the other companies, Halo, of course, like you said. Uh, but I think it's more likely that they already potentially have brick sets in the works with Lego. It's very possible that that's what could be the case, and I've brought up here behind us now um, uh, the screenshots of some of the Lego sets that were actually a part of the consideration, and uh, some of those things, at least, that uh, have come up are, are rather simple, rather easy to follow sets that um, we could actually imagine seeing, like the light of day. Uh, but you're right, though, is that with the way that the gaming stuff has kind of been spread out amongst the different like brick companies. And it's not even just specifically calling out like mega blocks. I think there are some other often companies that actually have some of these licensing deals just by chance. Yeah. And I, I think that is part of the problem potentially too, is that it is other toy companies that, that have creative license that disallow uh, Lego from producing or, you know, having any brick uh, sets themselves. Yeah, and that's what could be 
really where the problem actually is. And so they, um, so they kind of listed out some of this here, though. Brick Fanatics actually gave a little bit of detail as to what some of these things actually mean. So they say, at first glance, the ambiguous wording could mean that ideas, uh, Zelda's, or Zelda sets would conflict with the Lego group's own in-house Zelda sets. It's the same phrasing applied to Transformers, and we already know the Lego group has the license for the particular IP thanks to the Optimus Prime set. Uh, this this guy that I finished building here. Um, now, uh, they go on to say, but at the same time, other franchises it holds the rights for, such as Super Mario or Star Wars, specifically list, in quotes, current third-party overlap as the reason for not allowing submissions. So effectively we're kind of seeing a mixed bag here because we don't actually have like a lot of like transformer sets out there. For example, you know, we don't have whole lines of transformer sets that exist uh, for us to build, you know, compared to like star Wars sets where it seems like we get batches of them released at a time. And it's the same with Mario as well, though, too. Optimus could just be a one-off. So, but for this, who I knows? don't know. Uh, here's my hot take. It, I mean, you you look at some of the Lego sets that have come out for video games here recently. I mean, of course, you've had the Minecraft sets that have been coming out continuously for a while now. But um, more recently, like, y- you have the uh, Forza sets or the, the sets that were in conjunction with the, the Forza Horizon 4 uh, when they came out with the, the Lego. Uh, they, they did the speed sets that... Uh, we're in conjunction with that as, and they've actually continued that line um, from from that series, um, even though that the Lego set isn't the uh, expansion for the the more recent Forza Horizon. Um, they and and you look at also they've done Overwatch um, in the past. Uh, we could potentially, who knows, see Overwatch two Legos. But also they've they've done Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, we just recently, what a year ago or so, had the the Tall Neck release, and that was quite successful. Um, and of course, you know, there's the whole Mario line um, that launched kind of alongside the uh, Mario Anniversary. Now, I think part of the reason too, though, uh, we we aren't hearing any news from Lego about the sets, though, is there was a little bit of a fiasco with the Zelda. Um, anniversary with you know it being extended out and then we're finally actually getting the announcement of uh the new game so maybe they're trying to line up sets with the the release of of the new game um and they could do even classic sets as well as sets that that line up with the new series you know i like that idea kyle that like nintendo keeps stuff so close to the chest when it comes to their their ip that the fact that they could be waiting for um, the next Legend of Zelda game, the sequel to Breath of the Wild, uh, drop, you know, and that they don't want to reveal too much potentially about, like, the mm-hmm. the setting of everything or, or any special, like, power-ups or abilities or anything um, uh, story-wise by releasing one of these sets, that you're right, they could be playing it close to the chest, and that's why they are holding back as much as they are that maybe when we mm-hmm. see us like maybe like what like a month prior to the release of uh the next zelda game that we actually see a couple sets come out that aren't too off of what we've already seen revealed so far and then after it comes out right. like a month embargo or whatever we'll start seeing bigger and uh, or more varied sets that actually deal with stuff in the game that's 
that actually sounds very likely. I would concur with that one. See, and I, the the whole reason I, I feel feel like they're trying to hit the closer to the release of the Zelda is is because that that whole anniversary for Zelda did get kind of stretched out. I mean, we, oh, we yeah, saw did, the huh? release of the yeah the the game and watch right at the beginning, and then there were some trickle releases, but it it didn't really hit like the Mario uh, anniversary did. You know, we got the the big game that was only going to be out for you know, a year with the, the Mario 3D All-Stars. And with Zelda, it was like we were waiting for that Breath of the Wild uh, 2 announcement that never came. So maybe they they just, they had the Lego sets there, but they couldn't do anything with them because they were just waiting for Breath of the Wild 2. That very well could be it. That it's just like, let's not, let's not oversaturate all of this. And right and like eat like put all of our eggs into one basket when we know we could release more you know or or have the ability to release these things in tandem with other releases later on down the line i mean i know they want to celebrate anniversary stuff don't get me wrong i mean they would sell like hotcakes you know they would go mad with the way those sales oh, would, yeah. would be and you see people scalping and scamming for those things like mad just like we saw with the ps5 and xbox series x when those launched i I do agree with that, you know, that maybe that is why they stretch things out. So whether or not Lego is working on one, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for it, okay? I really am because I would love to see – I think what I would like to see, and I'm going to ask you the same question, though, too, Kyle, is like what I'd like to see Lego set-wise out of them is similar – it's two things. One, uh, similar to the Lego architecture series, I would like to see something like that that actually has you build Hyrule Castle – in that mm-hmm. like architecture type. And I, I don't care which Hyrule Castle it is. Personally, for me, I'd much rather go with Ocarina of Time Hyrule Castle. Um, but I know that maybe they would probably do something more on the Breath of the Wild style Hyrule uh, Castle. But the other thing I'd like to see is more of like what they did with the question block for Super Mario 64. Uh, the Lego set where it folds open to show the different, uh, some of the different maps and areas in super mario 64 Ooh. including the hidden that'd be neat like a, a triforce with yes. with like a sword through it or something like a master sword through a triforce that or and then you just... could like fold out panels of the triforce <laughs> for different scenes i would actually exactly like i would much rather it be more like just the triforce it'd be cool to see him do the master sword but i don't know how far that would get like maybe yeah i would see i would actually more expect them to do the shield the hylian shield like similar Ooh, to the way they yeah. did Thor's hammer, but no, the Triforce specifically where each of them folds down to different scenes from, you know, I mean, they did super Mario 64. So maybe they would do Ocarina of time where you fold one down and it's the, you know, one of it, it's the scene of link talking to the, the, the great Deku tree. The next one is, um, uh, is, uh, Link fighting against his shadow self there at the Water Temple. And then you have the great battle of Ganon versus Link, you know, in the other Triforce, though, too. You know, like, just mm-hmm. just as an example of what you could potentially have. I know that there's probably other things they could put in, but those would be the things that I, like, I would like to see. But what about you, though? I mean, you already mentioned the sword, but what else do you think, like, you would like to see? Oh man, um, you you said the high the Hylian shield, and uh, I don't know, just like a Hylian sword and shield or something, or or maybe even a Hyrule crest, you know, is mm-hmm. because they do the uh, artwork and the the 
the different like uh school the uh you're talking like how they did like visuals for like, like a, Harry Potter. Yeah, like how they did the Hogwarts one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um maybe something like that or maybe even like um if they did something like that, I I think it'd be kind of cool to do maybe the uh link to the past map with like a miniature link at, at one point in the map that you yeah. could just like move them up and put them around or whatever. That'd be kind of cool. Um I don't know. That that's kind of silly, but I I I think it's neat. Um, I I just there's so one. many things from Breath of the Wild, uh, that you could put out as yeah. potential sets like goblin encampments. Uh, the the different uh, what 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 are those big four legged like stone creatures that you have to fight that are a pain in the ass with the lasers? <laughs> oh, in Breath of the Wild, the uh, the guardians. Yeah. That gar- yeah, the Guardians. Yeah. That, that could be like a $175 set alone. I had one other come to mind. Um, and I think you'll like this too, especially because of like the, the way they made that succulents plant set. Mm-hmm. I think they go the route of Majora's Mask and make basically a small mask set that hangs on your wall. So it's like a panel, Ooh. a panel similar maybe to the size of the picture frame that you're talking about for the Hogwarts class uh, crests. But Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking though something like that that has like maybe and it's like raised so it's actually got like texture to it instead of just being flat but you get like the Deku scrub mask you get the Goron mask you get the Zora mask you get Majora's mask you get the fierce deity mask you know you get all Even those better. they're all so mini cool. fig masks that would definitely make my kids Lego city sets very interesting to start playing around with <laughs> Like what? What if? What if it was a little stand that it was almost like a a mask thing, like a mask rack that it was just all the 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 masks from Majora's Mask. That would be kind of cool. Or if you really want to, that would be a lot of custom pieces though for Lego to produce. So no kidding. I'm gonna leave it with this last (laughs) one here because I think maybe this will entice you a little bit more. But maybe this is a way to bridge bringing back Bionicle. But instead, you do it as a Legend of Zelda thing, but you bring back the mask style setup that they had with that, and the masks are uh, those directly from Majora's Mask that you'd actually be able to use. Like you basically make like links link uh, out of uh, Technic pieces, then you could slap on a mask and then snap on other pieces to make him look like the thing that he's wearing the mask for. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But I gotta leave it at that one because we got other stuff to talk about, Kyle. I know I want to keep talking yeah. Lego. When I mean, we could, we, Zelda yeah, ideas, we could talk but... Legos all night with yes. Zelda. I mean, there's so many ideas out there. <laughs> there really is. But yeah, we well, have some more unfortunate news to carry on to. We do, and what is that unfortunate news, Kyle? Uh, EA is dropping Project Cars. Um, I when was this announced? Actually, uh. Sorry, the pop-up just it was on the eighth, so it was. Oh uh, yeah, Tuesday. so yeah, just Tuesday. Uh, EA did announce that they will be dropping production of the the project cars line, and I believe dropping support, if I'm not mistaken. So so far, EA has gone on to say that they have stopped further development and investment in the franchise. Um, and I guess so far they said today we announced internally an update to our racing portfolio following an evaluation of the next project cars title and its longer term growth potential. We have made the decision to stop further development and investment for the franchise. So yeah, project cars is now officially, I guess in one capacity or, or another dead 
but it really kind of was an interesting competitor in the car space, especially with Forza and with Gran Turismo. And I guess if you really want to look at Need for Speed as well, too. But it was definitely an interesting one to see, uh, you know, out there as another competitor that wasn't necessarily um, like, I don't think it was console specific, was it? Which one? Was Project Cars? Project Cars? Yeah, was it a console no, specific? I think it, no, I think it was uh, both. It might have been on console only. Um, the, and it, it actually is dead dead because it was it does say uh later in, on in the article that it was announced earlier this year uh that they're ending support for both titles um so or they'll be de- delisted soon so they they won't be selling them at least so I, I i think that that's fair enough to say that it's probably they're gonna end support soon enough oh yeah absolutely so it's it's but, coming down the line, but I mean it is a sad thing to think about because the whole car, yeah. the whole like car space, and I'm talking like the more like the professional racing space, has truly been dominated by the likes of Gran Turismo and Forza for so long. And given that those are more like console exclusive games anyway, to have something out there that kind uh, of it was the trend, on Windows, it looks like okay. But for yeah. for a series to at least have bucked the trend though by still offering a similar experience to those games like with highly detailed cars, with the the approach to the races, with the approach to collecting vehicles. I feel like they actually did a pretty bang-up job with it, and it's kind of sad to see that we we don't have something different. It's not the same thing about Need for Speed, because Need for Speed fills a different niche than uh, for the Forza Motorsport series or Gran Turismo series, but I don't know. Maybe there's something in the racing sim environment right now, the racing sim genre that just doesn't, work right especially with a lot of investment by gamers or at least those gamers who like the racing games into um racing sim uh setups you know like actually having the steering wheel and the seat and the whole like force feedback system you know i think that's part of it but beyond that racing simulation i i feel like is is a real difficult um boundary to break into uh, simply because the uh, car licenses are very, very short, typically, for the video games. Um, oftentimes, you, you get a car license, and you can only keep a hold of it for maybe 6 to 10 years. 10 years would be a really long time to hold hold the license in order to produce the game uh, just from the, the, the company, let alone from you know how many different car manufacturers for how many different models of cars. Uh, so just obtaining those licenses to to have the actual models and specs of the the vehicles in your game, and then to sustain it for a prolonged amount of time, if you if you're not able to to hold the user count up, then it, it gets extremely difficult for a co- company to to look at that and say, you know, it you know we want to continue to make this series, and you know I I think making the second one may have been a little bit of a stretch. I feel like it was maybe a little bit more successful than the first one uh, out the gate, but it neither of them just did enough to, to produce long-term to, to, you know, make an impact to, to say, you know, it's going to run, run alongside Forza to run alongside Gran Turismo, unfortunately. Well, wasn't the big thing about Project Cars, I thought, when it was originally announced, is that it was going to be more of a a living racing sim game, like in the sense that it was going to just be Project Cars, and they were going to continue to just evolve the one game? 
Yeah, and I, if I remember I right, it was supposed to have some like pseudo coast to coast racing ability. I mean, it wasn't necessarily true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you you could kind of do a a sort of cannonball run, a, a shorter version. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was one thing I also recall about it, too, is that we were supposed to have something similar with that feature, but that, you know, it's similar to the way that Destiny uh, and or Bungie at least got kind of shafted a little bit on Destiny is that they were forced to release Destiny 2, even though their objective was to release or basically continue to evolve just the one game. But Activision forced them to release a second Destiny instead. Um, I wonder if that's the same way things happen with Project Cars is that. Again, I just remember when it was announced that they were really talking about it being just a standalone game that was going to be like, or standalone in the sense that it's like, it's just going to be this title, but it's continued to be like a living, breathing game that's going to evolve uh, like in a live service vein, but not necessarily in that same fashion. And it was just going to go there. So I wonder if EA maybe made them do numbered releases, though, to kind of keep that up instead, because they didn't see value in, in just it being a one and done game like that. I, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure, but it's just, it seems like maybe that's what contributed to some of it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, oh. not everyone can, can do a Destiny. And, I mean, even Destiny couldn't do it the first time. So. Yeah. But needless to say, you know, it's like it is, again, like I said there previously, it's a shame that we aren't going to be having it you know, anymore, at least as another entry in the car space. I think there are enough racing sim games out there that the community is not going to be missing this one too much, that there is enough to help fill the gap. But it's always sad to see something that at least could help buck the trend or at least provide some additional competition hit against some of those heavy hitters like Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsports to offer an alternative. But, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, decisions unfortunately have to be made so i hope though that the dev team can get split up and and put onto different projects and we don't have to see anybody laid off that's at the end of the day that's i think the key thing that we want to take away yeah that's the the big thing and yeah you know maybe they can come up with a a new um if it is more of a uh studio or the the people that are the work in the studio are are more focused on on car games maybe they can come up with a new um IP that that would you know compete with either the the horizon forza horizon series or maybe the motorsport series uh, along with gran turismo so let's just have ea throw all of them back at making a new burnout game there you go if you want to compete back yeah. in the racing space they go more burnout like that's all i yeah ask i for. i mean i i'm down with that i'm down with that yeah uh but let's move on though <laughs> Again, that's a sad thing, but let's move on to something exciting here is our last story in the re- in the main stories for this week, and that is Netflix is working on a Gears of War movie and a Gears of War adult animated series. That's right. So on the 7th of November, on Monday, Netflix took to announce on the 16th anniversary of Gears of War. Kyle, 16 years since Gears of War 1 man. released, man. Doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that make you have like some type of feels? I mean, yeah. I've, got the, I've got the Mad World trailer kind of playing through my head right now. So, uh, but uh, I, I I could still go through any of those games. I, I'm just like, wow, that that's yeah. insane. That that first game was so good. Yeah, it really was. Um, but yeah, we 
on the 16th anniversary, Netflix here posts on their official like on their official blog saying on the 16th anniversary of the original video games 2006 release, Netflix announced a partnership with the Coalition to adapt the Gears of War universe. So Coalition being the studio stood up by Microsoft that took over the Gears of War IP from Epic Games. Uh, so Netflix will first adapt the video game saga into a live action feature film, followed by an adult animated series with the potential for more stories to follow. And then from there, they go on to describe kind of the premise of the uh, of the first game or, or like a little little snippets of it, but nothing too crazy. But here's the big part of it, though, that followed up. After that announcement was made, Dave Batista of all people stepped forward and says that he wants to be in the next or in the gears of war movie. He literally put this on his Twitter said, I can't make this any easier. So I'm going to go ahead and flip over here to this article from IGN to actually bring this up. Cause like, this is just awesome. Uh, I mean, he can, uh, cause just the way he looks right there, uh, he looks more like Dom. <laughs> he does. And there he is. He's wearing armor. Like, I, I mean, if he, if he put on the, if he put on the, uh, the do-rag, maybe I could see it well, a little bit better. Agreed. But the, the other funny part, too, is he's already a character in that universe. He's not a character in the universe, necessarily. He was Marcus Phoenix in there. It's just that they made his character model Marcus Phoenix for Gears 5, I think. Like no, they basically gave I, you a, no, they gave you a character I model that he flipped. Was, no, like I could have swore that he... No. He, he was actually a character character. No, like, no, it wasn't. Or a character was modeled after him. Yeah, no, they actually gave you the ability to switch Marcus Phoenix to be Batista. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And so the fact, though, I think the armor that he put on was his armor from the promotional stuff that he did for Gears 5 for that. So the fact that he still has access to that armor in some capacity and can throw it on and, and let me add this, that Cliffy B himself, Cliff Plasinski, the the head for the development of the Gears of War, the first three Gears of War games, um, basically said that Batista should be Marcus Phoenix. I mean, that, that should be pretty clear cut and dry to the Coalition and to Netflix to say, the guy who helped originally craft and create this thinks it's a good idea. And Batista literally went as far as like putting armor on and is like, make me Marcus Phoenix. It's like, come on, it's right there. I mean, Just as far it. as it goes, there aren't too many other people that could actually play Marcus Phoenix. I mean, physically. <laughs> I mean, Sure, I, I can. I, I mean, I'm sure there's maybe an actor out there as long as it's not Ryan Reynolds. You can't although. say The Rock because that <sighs> he'd have that, to be no. Coltrane. <laughs> I, no, he is not going to be Coltrane. No, there are plenty of <laughs> other actors out there who could probably play Coltrane, but no, no, honestly, someone had to go and mess with Cliffy B on Twitter and actually went through one of those AI uh generators and made uh every single Gears character um Chris Pratt. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so you had Chris Pratt, like, showing up in different, like, armor and stuff. Or, like, it was all different, like, or it was all the Gears armor and, like, different layouts and stuff, but it was all Chris Pratt's head. But it's like, uh, what is it they said? I think they said make uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, Baird, which I think would be probably pretty good. 
Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Or uh, maybe it was maybe offer Chris Pratt, but let him be Baird or something. It was one of the two. But needless to say, uh, like Super Knight here adds, the interconnecting comics and novels were confusing enough. Will those still be canon? Dude, we don't know because this only just got announced yeah. this week. So whatever this could be, if it's one for one with the, with the, the series or like with the actual games and that they don't take too many liberties, yes. then yes, it will absolutely follow it. <laughs> but we've seen what Netflix does. We saw what happened when they adapted Cowboy Bebop. We saw what happened when they adapted Death Note. We saw what happened when they adapted Full Metal Alchemist. It's going to unfortunately be a wait and see. But if you get... Yeah, well, like, more than that, it'll be... They'll produce the first season. It'll get canceled, and we'll have to hear from <laughs> fan feedback if it's going to continue oh. on. I I just... Uh, I don't know. Because that's I, the, the that's the Netflix uh, format, it, it seems like. it. We got to get, you know, one season out the door, cancel it, and then get the fan feedback from, you know us canceling it you know if it was good if it was bad you know if we did bad that that's what it seems like netflix always does so it's just dude, a no roller joke. coaster <laughs> dude no joke and so i hope that they figure it out like because i'm gonna tell you this right now that the idea of them being able to actually get a decent gears of war series in place like they've got a lot of other like gaming things under their belt that they've mm -hmm. been successful with especially like Castlevania. Castlevania. yes and the yeah. fact that Assassin's Creed is still in the works with them, too, that we have to at least give we have some hope here that things are going to go well on the gaming side of stuff. But they're adapting of stuff that wasn't necessarily made like in the American market because Gears of War was made here in the U.S., the fact, though, that it's like they adapted anime and it didn't go as well as they hoped it would. And obviously that stuff isn't around much anymore, obviously goes to show that. You know, they they need to figure out where their niche is. But I think they can do it with this. I think that right. they could do it. And I will gladly go and change my subscription to get 4K Netflix for this to watch, like, no problem whatsoever. Like, I'll tell you right now is that I will watch this in tandem with the Halo series. So I will just have all Xbox content just all the time now. I will, I will just have all <laughs> of it. I'll be like... Uh, um, who was it? Wasn't it Peter Moore who had the Halo Two tattoo or whatever the the supposed tattoo? You know, like yeah, it, yeah. I'll do that for all of this stuff now, like somewhere. Okay, just you know, I'll go that Xbox fan. Was it like, two or three? It was. Ooh, I thought it was because yeah, yeah. Because he it was during the announcement that he that he lifted his sleeve, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hold on. And, and Serpent Knight adds this in chat though too. He says, "Okay, but I kind of wish they had done this a while ago when Lester Spite could have passed as Coltrane in real life." Now I need to see, like, maybe this is my own fault here. It's just to see who this is. Uh, former American football player. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, this guy could have definitely done it. Like, but wait, is he? Is he? Oh, he played Coltrane. Like this. Yeah. He. This guy actually. I didn't realize that's who this was. But he was actually a football player, and then yeah, he played, uh, he played Gold Coltrane in every one of those games, like every game. That's Gears. Uh, let's see, yeah, he was in Gears of War, uh, Gears of War two, three, Judgment four, five, and Tactics. So literally, he has played the character all the way through. I bet you though, because of the age of Batista, and even with the age of this guy here too, I bet you he could still get away doing it. I think they could do it like he i think so i think that 
I think he's probably still well, just and enough. it also depends on where you go in the timeline. I mean, they weren't young when they they got when, when the game started. I mean, no. Marcus had been in for quite a while, and he had spent time in jail at that point um, before he got rescued by Dom. And then the the games basically occur over what ten now longer than that because of uh, Marcus's son. But I mean, the first three games take place what within like a five-year span if that that's what i'm wondering too yeah yeah and then and then marcus is like much much older in in the later games so in in uh four and five so i mean it's totally possible for for him to still get away with playing coltrane i feel like and not only that we we have modern uh modern cinematography with deep fake you know they can always doctor the the image quite a bit so it, they they could just have a guy running around with a a zentai green screen mask oh, on so it could you know i just can't uh, wait screen, for the screen his his face on him you know so. what kyle i just can't wait for the squid games gears of war crossover okay oh god yeah <laughs> all right well I wanted to at least make sure that was there because that was a big one this week. And I'm actually really excited to see if they can pull this off, especially. But now where we need to carry it to is because we're done with the main stories. Kyle, guess what? You're up now because it is time for the quest markers. Woo! Oh, man. All right, Kyle, it's time to kick them off. So what do we have in the quest markers this week? So for our first quest marker this week, who wants to build their own portable Wii? slash GameCube. Yeah. Well, with a new modder coming out uh, with the um, his announcement of the Ashita last year, uh, the, the Wii slash GameCube portable of our dreams is back again. Twitter user Ginger of Mods uh, took modder West's uh, Wii and GameCube portable named Ashita and gave it a unique twist, a translucent blue case. Uh, this has brought the mod back into the spotlight with many fans clamoring for one of their own. Modder Wesk uh, originally dropped the plans for the Ashita back in September of 2021, uh, which has modder, modders tweaking and adjusting uh, containers. Uh, the the hand... Uh, uh, sorry. Modders adjusting uh, and tweaking and scaling down the original Wii uh, to fit the all-in-one package. Uh, the handheld contains a full GameCube controller and a 5-inch screen um, and two batteries and a playtime of three and a half hours um, after a full charge. So uh, if you're wanting to, to go ahead and I probably uses what we used to call the uh, OMG WTF cut, uh, basically obtain a, an old original Wii and and get to cutting and soldering, uh, you could have your own Ashita handheld GameCube slash Wii. <laughs> All right. But in our next uh, bit for the quest markers, BioWare has teased us with Mass, Mass Effect 4 again. Uh, celebrating N7 Day on November 7th, BioWare decided to drop another bit of uh, a teaser for the upcoming Mass Effect 4 which is currently in pre-production. The teaser is a 30-second clip 
showing what appears to be footage of a mega structure under construction with some audio garbled within the video um, that has fans turn turned uh, sluice determined uh, what was going on in the teaser and so far have turned up with the following. The video is showing the construction of the mass relay and apparently the seventh uh, one given the MR7 designation on the whole. The date on the video shows what could be the year 2190, which is only four years following the events of Mass Effect 3, and the ship that appears in the clip could either be the Normandy from the first three games, uh, the Tempest from the Andromeda game, or another ship that we'll uh, learn more about in the new game potentially. Uh, the color scheme appears to match the organization service uh, or Cerberus, excuse me. Um, the enemy turned uh, support team turned enemy again uh, over the course of the uh, three games. Uh, the audio appears to be a garbled communication from Liara to Sony, uh, where she's heard saying exactly the council will be, or I should say, quote, exactly the council will be furious, although they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance, end quote. BioWare has confirmed the audio but so far has not said anything else about any other hidden details in the teaser. So keep your eyes out and ears to the ground for some more information about your favorite hot female alien, unless you're a Garrus fan, you know. (laughs) Get your Garrus body pillows ready. Yeah, get your Garrus body pillows ready. (laughs) We can always do with some more more gruffness of Garrus. Uh, but in our last quest marker for today, beware the Pokemon Viol- uh, Violet and Scarlet leaks are rampant. Uh, with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet nearly upon us, the leaks have become abundant as a ROM of the game has already made its way out to the internet. Um, several leaks include the entirety of the new Pokedex, whether or not Eevee gets a new evolution in the game, new regional forms for past Pokemon, changes in breeding mechanics that keep eggs around, but no other details on how this has changed, and time travel for some Pokemon. What? Um, dun, dun, this dun. is only a small list, and was left, uh, and we left this intentionally vague, so not to uh, make any kind of direct comment about what happens and where, uh, this is for those who want to experience Car- uh, Scarlet and Violet uh, in the full entirely, of course, um, more than, you know, officially than the official release from Nintendo. So do keep those browsers uh, silenced if you need to silence any word uh, keywords on Pokemon Scarlet or Pokemon Violet. I mean, there, there's tons out there, unfortunately. So and yeah. Nintendo does their best along with uh, the Pokemon company uh, to to go after them, but they can only do so much, unfortunately. But with that, that is our last quest marker. That is. And because that is our last quest marker, that means that it is the end of the weekly news roundup for this week, November 11th, 
2022. So with all that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's roundup. Thank you so much for all of our comments as well, too, during the live stream here. Of course, if you missed out on anything, you can either catch the VOD here on our YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe. So when you we do go live, you'll at least know when we're up and running or you can go back and watch it again. Or, of course, if you're someone who likes to take uh, your audio on the go, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and catch the episode on our podcast platform as well, anchor.fm slash the dash dash podcast soon after this live stream is done. Of course, you'll also be able to check out all of our other past episodes on there too. So be sure to follow those on our, on anchor.fm slash the dash podcast again, or on your favorite podcast platform of choice, whether that be Google podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. But again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We will catch you all next week. Bye-bye.